Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again. We are broadcasting almost live from a secure bunker deep beneath an old blockbuster video. It's Tavern Voices. I'm your host, Kevin King, and with me, as always, is my co-host and political science study buddy, Tower Crowley. How's it going, man? Uh, you're underneath a blockbuster. I am underneath a Hollywood video. So Hollywood video. That's right. You should. You see, I could have saved that for next time, but now you've ruined it. Well, I was going to say, no. or Errols. Did you guys have Errols down here? I don't know if you guys had that. I have no idea what that is. So, the video no. store. They had one in ah. D.C. We used to go to. And so I don't know if it was like regional or – because I know it was a chain, but I think a Blockbuster bought them. Hmm. Yeah. I've never heard of them. Errols Pretty video. soon we're going to be explaining to kids what a red box was, but – yeah, that's yeah. That's, I still see people going to those things, and I'm like, <laughs> "Have you ever heard of the internet, loser?" So I always walk. I walk up to those people and show them my phone. And I'm like, "Look at this. Look what you can do. You don't have to drive all the way here." I guess if you're already in the grocery store, it makes sense. Well, it was funny. I um yesterday I binge watched like six hours of Investigation Discovery television, and they had all these different murder cases on there. And there was one from 2009 and it reminded me of you because it was the most two thousands thing ever because they helped that they tracked the guy down because he was trying to sell DVDs at a pawn shop. (laughs) I was like, nobody's going to understand like DVDs. You can't sell them much less anybody buys them anymore. So yeah, seriously. I mean, what what, what could you get for a DVD at a pawn shop nowadays? I mean, there's, and there's no way they even take it. It'd be like 50 cents. I mean, if that, they, it'd be like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like scrap. They would use it. They use it for like the plastic is like the only thing that they would use for it. Like it's used, it's, it's, it's worth more as scraps than it is for uh, actual usage. Yeah, no, I, I think you're completely right. And, and, but, but it does bring up an interesting thing. It's like, what are we going to do without objects anymore? Well, did you hear in the, and um, we'll get to some real news in a second. But did you hear that there was a guy like who? So I, I buy a lot of stuff off iTunes. That's where I have most of my movies from. In fact, I think I bought pretty much all of them off iTunes. And somebody bought some. And for those that don't know, there's like a regional. There is a uh, the, the iTunes stores are regional, and so something that's for sale in the USA might not be for sale in the UK. And I guess someone's country no longer sells that movie, and they deleted it from his library. So he bought it and they just like got rid of it. And so now he doesn't own it anymore. (laughs) And it's like someone was saying, and I've always thought that, and it sounds crazy, right? Like Apple's never going to go out of business, but what happens if they go out of business? Man, I guess you have to download it on a computer or something before the, but everything's in the cloud. They they have everything. What happens when it all goes under? I mean, people have the same thing about Kmart and Toys R Us. They'll never go, or Sears, they'll never go out of business. Yeah, well, they did. So all these movies I have on iTunes and all of a sudden just decide, well, where they're gone and we lose them. Well, I'm trying to find the app. Somebody pointed me to this and um, I think there's a company that's trying to bridge that gap and I have no idea where it is. Oh, it's called Movies. Wow, that's creative. But there's an app where it's called Movies Anywhere. That's that's what happens when you click on it. Um, And basically you can tie your accounts together, I guess, from like, I guess, Amazon, iTunes, um, you know, when there's those crappy codes inside of a DVD where you can buy it, but it's from some obscure, obscure company you can actually access. Yeah. Apparently you can tie it all together in this movie anywhere. And they're trying to, to become some kind of service, I guess, where as long as you bought it through one, you can stream yeah, it. That only works if place. like those companies but, get on board. 
Yeah, no, you're right. right. Tells them to go pound sand, which they inevitably will because they do to everyone that tries to do that. It, it's not going to be helpful for my iTunes movies. But well, I, you know, and I've always wondered. I, I think this is a symptom of us of our society. You know, at, at the core, we are really animals living on a planet, and animals go out and they, you know, like squirrels find things and bring it back to the nest. And we don't, we're not, we don't have anything anymore. We, we don't go to the store and buy things and bring it back and keep them and put them on shelves. Everything's digital. Even the stuff we make, you know, digital products, graphic design, web design, all these different things, they're not tangible. And I, I have this feeling it's going to be, um, it's going to be hard on us as a species. And, you gotta and wonder these are the things at night. You got to wonder what's more, uh, environmentally friendly, a real chair or a digital chair? Well, until I can sit in a digital chair. But I'm saying is you can just buy like a little, you know, piece of garbage chair, but the, you know, you wear like the VR goggles and it makes it look like a really cool chair. And so, mm. you know, what, 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 what requires more like the goggles to power the goggles or to make the really fancy chair. I'm, I have no idea. I guess maybe to make it cause then it lasts forever. Meanwhile, the, the goggles have to be powered all the time. All right, we're going to get <laughs> into like some crazy matrix conversation here in just a second. We're going to stick to the present because I want to talk about a new poll that has come out. These, I don't know, is a poll tangible or intangible? I'm trying to think. Depends on the type. Are you talking about like a poll worker or a poll dancer? I'm trying to talk about like a or- poll, like data, like data. Well, I printed mine actually, so I, I did that ah. specifically so I could shuffle. I'm on the iPad while you're uh, so while you're doing you have stuff. A tangible there. poll. I have an intangible poll. Uh, there we so go. This, there's a new poll out from Survey USA uh, with I think uh, working with Spectrum News, uh, and it came out Monday, and it you know, gives a breakdown on some of the big races here in North Carolina, but also nationally. And the one of the things that stood out the most to me were the generic ballots at both the state level and the federal level here in North Carolina, both at they both the Democrats had a five point lead. Now, the poll has a pretty big margin of error, plus or minus five points. So basically, the Republicans and Democrats statewide and in the in the U.S. House races, it's a, a statistical tie. Now, the poll finished up. The Friday before Kavanaugh was confirmed, so it missed out on, I think, a little bit of the bump because the majority of the poll was happening before, you know, it was we really knew that Kavanaugh was going to get confirmed. And Trump's numbers in North Carolina, while underwater, as you would expect, 42 to 50, it's better than his national numbers. And so, Kevin, at least in North Carolina, could the president be correct that we could actually see a red wave in November? I mean, my first question is, can you trust polling data, right? Yes. I mean, I, I, <laughs> are you saying yes, you can, or that's a good question? No, I'm saying yes, you can. Yes, you can. I mean, I, okay. I, think, I think you can use it to, to get sort of a baseline. I'm not going to say it's a, it's, you know, hundred percent, this is exactly what's going to happen, but I think it can give you a good baseline. Well, you see, here's my problem is I've kind of like given up on the whole speculation of elections because my entire life was during the blue wave of, not my whole life, but my whole political life began during the blue ray wave. It started in 2006 and we just lost everything for many years. Right. So I kept running these races going, how can this candidate not win? And then that candidate would not win. So I have a really hard time. And then finally this year I kind of gave up and I said, you know what? I think that because I had a, um, 
I had a, I, w- I was still in grad school during the 2016 election and all of my classmates were uh, pretty much left of center and we all turned in sample electoral maps and whoever came closest won a prize. Well, I was the only one that picked Trump and I called it within one state, which I, I, I kind of like to brag about. And I, oddly enough, I, I never got that prize I was supposed to get. But <laughs> what it taught me is that I, I just don't know that you can trust what people say they are going to do. And this might just sound like a roundabout answer, but what I'm trying to get at is that when you call people on the phone and you say, are you voting Republican? Or are you voting Democrat? When it comes down to it, you know, especially local races, I don't know that people know who their local officials are or that they vote just based on party. I mean, do you think that they do? I think it depends on the race. I mean, that, what's interesting and what's happening, and I was actually reading an article where they were talking about, you know, the news industry and how more and more people, you know, national news agencies are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and statewide and local things are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And people know everything. You know, here's a great example. So this poll that we we're just talking about, it um, shows Barbara Jackson Lee or no, Barbara Jackson. Um, I was thinking Bar- <laughs> different Bar- person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's just a natural reaction to that. Um, that Barbara Jackson, who's on the Supreme Court, the incumbent, is third in the race. Uh, there's a Democrat, Anita Earls, and then you have Chris Anglin, who's number two, who's the fake Republican, and then Barbara Jackson. And it's like she's the incumbent, and clearly no one knows any idea who she is, the fact that she's coming in third. And yet we just had this gigantic fight about the Supreme Court to the point where people were like crying in the street and banging on the door of the U.S. Supreme Court because they were so scared. And yet nobody cares about the state Supreme Court. And I understand there's a difference in power, but it still matters and no one cares about it. And so I don't think they do, but I do think they know. Like That's why the generic ballot to me, I think, is actually probably a pretty good indicator. Because when you ask someone, Republican, Democrat, they are thinking – you know, that's the one thing they do know. They do know, am I voting Republican? Am I voting Democrat? In some cases, the individual uh, candidate matters. But for the most part, all that matters is what's next to their name. And so I think that that is probably the generic ballot is probably the best of all the indicators because getting into the individual races, I think, is is that's when it starts being uh, quite – you see a big – Change. I mean, I should say you see a lot of a big degree, uh, big. What's the word I'm looking for? Variance, I guess, uh, between the different polls. But the generic ballot—that's the one thing that people know because national, statewide, they all see it as the same. Well, I think what's going to be interesting about this election is whether or not the narrative has been working, right? Because there's a lot of people who beat up on the Republicans, even people who are Trump voters who think Republicans in North Carolina, in North Carolina have done a bad job, whether it be the, the perception that education funding has been cut or that they're not paying for teachers, that teacher pay is failing. Um, you know, education is something that impacts a lot of people. And when they think the Republicans are harming education, you know, I, th- I think this is this election will show whether or not that narrative has been working. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. You know, I mean, when it comes to these, you know, like I said, generic generic polls are the best. Um, uh, like I said, when it comes to elections, but like I said, the individual races and and figuring out the individual candidates. Interestingly enough, we are going to talk about the, or actually, I don't know if we are talking about the constitutional amendments, but those actually did really well too. Um, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad sign. It shows how much people actually know about it or not. But I think the generic polling is the one where people have the most information, plain and simple. 
Yeah, I mean, that's actually what I was getting ready to bring up were the constitutional amendments, um, because it's my understanding that those were proposed, um, you know, to sort of let the people speak, but also to help bring out people who are concerned about these issues, but who, uh, you know, without there being a top of the ticket in the state, this is a real oddball election. I think a lot of people don't think about that. Nearly every year you either have president or a senator that carries a little bit of clout in the state or governor as well. And there's none of that this year. This is like a blue moon election. And, you know, maybe these amendments will get people out there to vote. They're concerned about voter ID, um, you know, tax rates. Obviously, these are very conservative principles, hunting and fishing, um, you know. And But then again, there's a whole lot of TV ads that are spending a lot of money um, bashing basically all of these amendments. Well, yeah, they are. And they're obviously not working <laughs> because there was only one amendment that had less than fifty uh, percent approval, and that was the judicial one, which understandably is like nine or ten cents, some crazy amount of. It's like a paragraph, and so I could see people. I think people are voting no just because they're angry at how much they have to read before voting on it, and so I think that's leading to most of the <laughs> negative opinion. But most of the other ones, like voter ID and everything else, I mean, overwhelming support sixty, sixty four, seventy percent, and so. I mean, what's great about that is it doesn't really require a lot of education. Voter ID. Should you have to show a driver's license? Yes or no? And the Democrats can talk all day long about like the the inequality of it and how it you know hurts minorities and hurts, you know, women or college, whatever argument they want to make. But people when asked, should you have to show an ID to vote? Yes, is overwhelmingly the opinion for people because of how easy and how commonplace it is to show an ID in modern society. The fact that we're not doing it when you vote, I think, shocks a lot of people. And so they can hype it all day long, but it seems that people are on that side, as well as lowering the tax, as well as hunting and fishing and everything else. Uh, Clearly, the people, when given a choice, support that. Well, that's kind of where I've been over the last week or so, obviously with Kavanaugh and the news and and that whole fiasco going on, is really thinking about the the Trump voter. And I don't say that as as someone who is just, you know, crazy far right, you know, sort of a a Trump, anything Trump does, but, but the sort of tired of politics voter, right? The average person who doesn't pay attention to what's going on for the most part, they know that they're not getting the truth from most of the media or they're getting a version of the story. Um, you know, they, they vote largely based on their pocketbooks. They do think that NAFTA was a raw deal. I mean, you could go on and on, right? This sort of just like blue collar, rust belt, middle of the road person. And I feel like the left doesn't even understand that person exists, and I've really wondered how they will will show up because I think that Kavanaugh has has sort of fired up that person. And I've received a lot of messages over the last week from people who are not super active in politics saying, you know, I think I'm going to go volunteer for a candidate or I'm going to make phone calls or I'm going to get out there uh, when they normally wouldn't. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see how these numbers will change in another week or two. Yeah, I mean, because this poll, most of it was done uh, in the beginning. And so, yeah, we kind of knew about Kavanaugh, but it wasn't until Friday that, and, you know, late Thursday, early Friday, that they started realizing, hey, and that's when they actually had the cloture vote. So that's when they felt confident enough to be able to move forward. So this poll, for the most part, kind of missed, I think, maybe caught the ending of the surge. But I think right now, if the GOP can hold this, uh, it's definitely going to be to their favor. But I do think that there is a. Now, will it last for four weeks? That's the question. All it's going to take is, you know, a one Trump tweet, 
or, you know, one Mitch McConnell comment and then Trump's voters will hate McConnell again and uh, the establishment will hate Trump again. And so it's very it's a very delicate alliance and uh, it doesn't take a lot for it to fall apart. But right now it's it's uh, holding together. Yeah, I will ask you briefly uh, if you had any thoughts about uh, questions 17, 18 and 19 on the um, on the survey here. And basically that's the demographics, I guess, mostly. Mm-hmm. on who participated in this poll. I just thought it was interesting that a fifth of them are unemployed. Don't you think that's strange when we have a three, four percent unemployment rate? I don't think for North Carolina though, because unemployed just means you're not working. I mean, so you get I mean what does North Carolina have a lot of a lot of not, a lot of retirees. Retired so, is a different category though. Oh it is? Um, yeah, yeah. If you go down this is actually eighteen. Um, it says Forty-six percent work full time, eleven percent part time, twenty-three percent were student, homemaker, or retired, which is an odd group. Oh. Um, then nineteen percent were unemployed, and apparently one one percent out of a thousand. So there were, um, you know, what uh, t- ten people who don't know what they are, but <laughs> they don't know. They they couldn't answer that question, and they said it was yeah. I don't know, or was it just I don't want to answer? Well, it says not sure. <laughs> uh, so, I would say so, unemployed. <laughs> I don't know if I have a job or not. Probably not. Have you been there today? Well, no, then you probably don't have one. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty easy way to figure that one out. You might have had one, but you don't have it anymore. I'll tell you right now. If you're confused as to whether you have a job, you probably do not have one. That is, if you're going to take anything from today's podcast, that's that's the real tip. But yeah, no, I mean, it does seem like a lot, but at the same time, I mean, you're always going to have a certain amount of people that are unemployed. And then let's face it, who's also the person that can take your you know, polling phone call. Maybe someone has the time, someone that's not actually working. And so yeah. maybe that's why the numbers seem so high. Right. And that's, that's all I was looking at. I was trying to just kind of dissect a little bit more about who these people were um, on the tax issue. It does seem like they kind of get that they at least have the same amount of money, if not more in their pocket after, um, after the Trump tax plan. Um, but it was interesting. A third of them gave the most credit to the governor for how Hurricane Florence was handled. So I, found, I just think that's all interesting, man. I, mean, I can see that. I, mean, I think Governor Cooper did a pretty good job uh, with the storm. It definitely boosted his image. There's no doubt. I mean, there's, nothing, there's nothing Cooper does better than storm. Uh, I mean, because all, all it requires him to do is like talk in front of a ca- camera and look the part. And that's something that Cooper excels at. Actually being governor is a different story, but acting like the governor, <laughs> he's pretty good at. He's pretty good. You know who else is a really good actor or actress rather is our good friend Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez because this week on the latest episode of The OC, our main character tweeted out that it is, quote, well past time to eliminate the Electoral College because of how it, quote, undermines our nation as a democratic republic. Not to be outdone, though, an opinion piece dropped in the News and Observer today from Frank Hyman, a former Durham City Council member who is also the uh, policy analyst for the Blue Collar Comeback organization. He cites that not only should the Electoral College be abolished, but also the representation of two senators per state and the ability of state legislators to draw House districts. So basically just the entire political process as we know it. Tyler, shouldn't the Cleveland Browns adopt this philosophy to keep the Patriots from another Super Bowl? <laughs> I think so. I, I, I think it's a, uh, a smart move. I mean, it's, it, I'll tell you, the funniest thing to me is watching the Democrats essentially argue that everything that they lose and everything that they fail at 
should be abolished. So it's like, oh, the Electoral College should go away and we got to get rid of gerrymandering. We got to get rid of all these things. And it's like, why? Oh, well, because we're not very good at it. And so we're going to get rid of it. And then all of a sudden it's the, you know, majority want this and the majority and the majority and the majority. And it's just so funny because I I mean, how long have the Democrats been the party of the minority? And they still are. They still claim to represent all these minority groups and they know they're not part of the majority. And yet they still think that, that the majority should have all the power, except when it comes to things like gay marriage um, or like voter ID, for example, even though 64% of people in North Carolina want voter ID, they're still going to go, well, but it's unconstitutional. So it's like, they love majority rule and they hate, you know, they want to get rid of all these things and the rules and everything else until it's an issue that the majority is on the other side of. And then all of a sudden it's, well, constitution, this and constitution, that and fairness. And we got to, we got to change. And it's, it's just, it's so transparent. Uh, but their voters fall for it. I mean, cause they want to, because they want to believe like, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's do that. But it's really just about changing the rules to help them. It's not about making things fairer or make it, you know, a more representative. It's about their victory, plain and simple. Oh, you are completely correct. And what I really liked is the phrase that he used, the tyranny of the minority. So now instead of saying that Obviously, majority rule is what our founders were concerned about. So we establish all of these checks and balances, which a lot of them don't work anymore. So now he's saying what happens is now the minority is in control and is oppressing the majority, which is such a twist on reality that I had to talk about it because I really don't understand. It's like if the government left people alone, there would be no such thing. Right. There, there wouldn't be majority oppression or minority oppression. But the left has made government so powerful that whoever controls it, whether it be a 10 percent minority, a 49 percent minority or a 75 percent majority, it gets to dominate the entire, uh, you know, pretty much the entire process, whether it be who they elect or what gets funding or how many, you know, how much you pay in taxes or what businesses get to operate in certain areas. I mean, it's, there, there's so much control. That to say that somehow government isn't the problem, it's it's how Republicans have secretly manipulated the founding fathers is it's a new one. Let me just leave it at that. That's a new I have I've not heard this argument before. (laughs) I just I mean, it's what's so amazing to me about the left and the, you know, the, the 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 argument of the tyranny of the minority or something along those lines is it's uh, the one thing that drives me the crazy about the left. This is what they do is that if they were, if, if we could all just admit, okay, you know what? Let's just go back to states rights and let the states have more power. Like the way federalism was supposed to be small, you know, central government, the states controlling most of the issues. But what the Democrats do is when they're out of power, it's a state's right issue. So like this, uh, we talked about this last week, right? Net neutrality. So that's a federal issue until the federal government becomes Republican and gets rid of it. And now California wants to do it. Well, that's not the way it works. It's either federal or it's state. And what they do is when they lose in the federal government, they go to the state and they do it on the state level. And then until they get power back in the federal government and then they go back to federal. And that's a thousand percent. Now, the way it's not supposed to work. I criticize Republicans 
for going sort of back and forth. But really, they just go federal and then at least they just stay there. So once they say, okay, the federal government has this role, then we just admit that. And then that's that's where we are. And I disagree with it. But the Democrats go back and forth. And it's so frustrating because, once again, it's so transparent that it's all about power. It's all about what they want. And they're going to do whatever they can to get it done, whether they have to yell states' rights or the federal government's, you know, the, the law of the land or whatever they got to do. Whatever argument they got to make, as long as it benefits them, they're going to go with it. And it's 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 bad on both sides, but the left is so much worse. No, it really is. It always reminds me of the scene in the movie Big Daddy where Frankenstein is playing cards with uh, with with all of Adam Sandler's buddies. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, I win. He's like, what do you mean? I had that last time and you said that, that you won and now I have it and I'm supposed to win. And he's like, no, the game is called I win. And that's all I can think of. Because it's 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 let's just manipulate it based on what the outcome is. And they do that with the, you know, with the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is the law of the land as long as it's, you know, ruling on, uh, you know, ruling on gay marriage or a bathroom bill. But it's not when it's, you know, voting on, you know, Heller or or uh, Citizens United. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's, you know, we, I was talking earlier today on my radio show and I was saying how they're already laying the groundwork. Now the Kavanaugh's on the court. We have a five, four majority uh, Republican majority. They're already laying the groundwork to ignore the Supreme court. And they're already saying like, well, this is illegitimate. And I mean, and they're already doing it. I mean, I, Janice was the decision earlier this year, dealing with unions, forcing people to pay dues. They're still doing it. They're ignoring the ruling. And the question I actually had a caller ask was what happens when that ha- happens? And I said, I don't know. I mean, what happens when they start ignoring Supreme Court rulings? I guess we're going to find out because they're laying the groundwork to essentially ignore these rulings. Grab your popcorn, my friend. It's not getting any better for a little while. No, I mean, and I hate saying it because I don't like to be, you know, that, you know, conservative talk show host where like I'm like the Civil War is coming and it just seems so just ridiculous. But yeah, what do you do if a state goes, yeah, we're not enforcing that Supreme Court ruling? I, I don't know. <laughs> do you send the National Guard? I mean, what do you do? Do you remove the person from power? I don't know what happens at no, that point. D- what, what may actually happen is we end up re-legitimizing the Constitution. And we say, you know what? Yeah, Marbury versus Madison didn't actually do what they said it does. Let's undo all of this uh, you know, oppression. Let's read Men in Black by Mark Levin and let's undo – all of the courts telling everyone what to do. And maybe we would go back to states' rights and division well, no, because of power. All they would do is that until they got power back in the Supreme Court and they would go back to the Supreme Court and go, law of the land, law of the land. <laughs> they would just pass all the things again. Yeah, that's 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 sad, but probably true. You're starting to sound awful doom and gloom to be the, the moderate Republican, Tyler. I know, I know, especially with such a good week we had last week for – I was joking online about like last week was like the best week ever for a neocon conservative <laughs> because yeah. it was you had well you got good economy that's always good uh, you also had a new trade deal that was essentially the blueprint was TPP and then you had Brett Kavanaugh who worked in the Bush White House and I said man if you're a neocon last week was like amazing for you so I should be like in a really good mood I think I'm like coming down off the high of like such good things happening. I'm like coming down off of it. It's very 2003. I bet you bought some DVDs, didn't you? <laughs> I thought about it. All right. Well, I almost did a Walmart <laughs> and Sears. Yeah. Good, good luck. They're, um, 
I think our Sears is still open for for a little while longer. Ours is no, I think our no, ours is gone. Ours is closed up. That's that. That's a shame. Well, you know who hasn't been taking things well, Tyler. Well, apparently this UNCA professor is not taking things too well. So, Tyler, once again, my hometown is just doing its best to make me proud. This UNC Asheville professor is actually being charged with misdemeanor theft after being caught trying to steal signs promoting local Republican candidates. These signs stated, quote, stop Democrat corruption, drain the swamp in Buncombe County, vote Republican. One of their vandalized signs also had the F word painted across it, a swastika, and said, quote, hang Republican instead of vote Republican. You know, I would have at least corrected the grammar, added an S on the end, but what can you expect from vandals? Tyler, after watching the violence during the Kavanaugh hearings, are the gun owners really the ones that we should be concerned about? I guess only if they can't spell very well. <laughs> that's, how we can, that's how we can find the people that are vandalizing signs because it's like basic. Just find out who dropped out of like high school or grade school or something like that. And then we can figure out who these vandals are because they apparently have a lot of trouble with like basic words. And I wonder if that's like a sign and how important spell check is. And the, it's like this is like the future of our society is that we just have – we're not going to be able to spell any words. I mean, I, I've tried to write stuff down before and I can't spell anything. So maybe I should take it a little easier on the vandals. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's really weird because um, we had some vandals down here in Brunswick County and they actually vandalize both party signs. They vandalized the Republican sign and the Democrat party sign. And it was really weird because it was like typical talk. It was like they were calling, and I don't, I don't want to say typical, but like the extreme that you would yell, like they called the Democrats, they wrote Alinsky scum. And on the Republican sign, it was like pedophile fascist or something like that. So it was like really bizarre that somebody just went like to the extreme on both parties. And assume, usually it's only just one sided. So I think vandals were, what worries me is we're getting to the point where like now you have to be extreme for both parties. Like if you're just extreme for one, it's not good enough. You have to be extreme for both. And I think that's sort of where we're going, that even if you like one party, because you hear that even talking about the Democrats, right? The Democrats are the establishment. And so if you like some of these Democrat senators, you're part of the establishment. So I think we're getting to the point where you can't like any politician or any political party uh, or you're the man or you're the worst thing ever because otherwise I've, I've – I, I don't know how you rebel because even if you're part of an establishment or part of a party, you're part of the establishment. So I think pretty soon we're just going to start seeing just vandalism for the sake of vandalism. So if, if I'm understanding you correctly, and this professor actually is the one who vandalized the other signs um, because several signs were vandalized and they put up cameras and that's when they, they actually caught uh, the professor involved. Um, so you're saying that the bigger story here might be that someone with a PhD has horrible <laughs> grammar. <laughs> You know, are, yeah, that, are our children learning? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a good thing that guy didn't get stuck in Iraq. Otherwise, that would have been really embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it's that that's true. I didn't even think about that, that it was a professor who apparently has a very difficult time. But that also goes to show the reliance on peer review work and the failures of the academic system. So maybe if that guy learned a little self-reliance, he would know how to spell. What was the word he misspelled? Uh, it was actually, I believe, a female professor, I believe. Oh. Um, but, um, well, it was, it was hey, more hey, of a grammar. Don't, don't, don't predispose gender. 
I'm sorry. I don't know yeah. what gender she was. I, 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 I'm just, I'm saying he, I'm, I'm, I'm using it as uh, gender neutral. He. I believe that's proving the patriarchy actually <laughs> is what you're doing <laughs> right now. Um, no, it was more of a grammatical error. You know, it said vote Republican and it had painted out the, the word vote and they painted hang. So hang Republican. Hang and Republican. Hang Republican, which is just a, an atrocity. I mean, if yeah. you're going to vandalize something, at least crack open, a, you know, an AP style guide every now and then. What's also funny is that is that she probably also thinks that or she or he it also probably thinks that Republicans are idiots and knuckle draggers. And it's like my favorite uh, comment one time. Uh, I think Kevin Williamson wrote a piece talking about voter ID and no, no, uh, gerrymandering. And he said, you know, the, the argument right now among Democrats is that the Republicans are too good at gerrymandering and that they're, you know, they're using these like sophisticated computer algorithms and drawing districts with like surgical precision. And it's like, it's apparently that the, the, the Republicans are knuckle dragging Neanderthals who ignore history and science until it comes to gerrymandering. And then they turn into like, you know, Albert Einstein. And so it's funny that the people that are always the ones criticizing Republicans for being idiots and dumb and everything else can't understand, you know, basic grammar. So maybe maybe bring I don't know, is style is the style book still uh, required a required book to read or buy when you when you be uh, when you go to school I, college. I don't I, even know. I don't know. I still have my copy. I use it. Well, um, I, I generally get it out when I'm trying to read what you've written on Tavern Voices. Should we? Yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> should we? Uh, should we mail her one and be like, sign uh, caring Republicans or something like that, and be like, just wanted to help you out. We really should, but caring Republican as just a, a yeah caring Republican. Like well, no, we, we want to show her the right way deer. to do it. We don't want to mock. We want to help. We want to show that we are caring. So we would use proper grammar and show her here's how you actually write it. That's what we try to we try to bring people together on this show. That's clearly our goal. The the last question I had for you, Tyler, is you, you kind of touched on this uh, a few minutes ago, but are we incapable now of having any sort of middle ground or conversation? Because I noticed during the Kavanaugh hearings, it was uh, who's the, the comedian who tried to or had the beheading of Trump? Uh, Kathy Griffin. Oh, Kathy Griffin. Yeah. yeah. So she had just comedian. Said, That's a little generous, Kevin. Sorry, I, I apologize. Um, attempted comedian, uh, alleged comedian, alleged comedian, self-proclaimed <laughs> comedian. Um, she had just written a tweet that was like "f Kavanaugh, f Republicans, f the GOP." It was just a series of of, yeah. of just, I guess, uh, a dumbing down of the of the English language. And is that what we're down to? I mean, is that all we have? Yeah, some well, plus it's Twitter though. Twitter just like brings it out on everybody. I mean, you go on Twitter so saying, and yeah, you to the the two hundred characters or whatever it is now is is just forcing people to use four letter words. I don't even think it's that. I mean, I, I just think it's because it's it's just the the quickness of Twitter that you want to get a response back quickly. I mean, you could do a thread, you could do other things. But no one cares. I mean, it's all about it's all about the burn. It's all about the you know owning the libs, and so you you, you can't do that with a dissertation. So you got to do it real quick. And so like F U is simple to the point, and you can do it pretty quickly. But if you want to actually like write out like here's why I disagree that Kavanaugh should be on the Supreme Court, like and start citing you know precedents and some of his decisions, like you're going to lose everyone. 
But if you're like, Kavanaugh sucks and he's a rapist and, you know, he's a drunk and it's just so much easier to do that. And everyone will cheer that on because they understand it too. You don't want to, you want to lose your target audience. So I think that Twitter just sort of kind of creates that environment. But I also think, yeah, it's true. I think it's true in all, in all media. Uh, cable news doesn't help because of how quick the segments are. And so you just don't have a lot of time to fully develop an argument and make a point. So, yeah, I just think it's, that's what's happening. But I still think there are, there are mediums out there where you can find long form arguments and, and good debate and everything else. So I think that's just the mediums that you choose to do. So it's cable. News. If all you do is cable news and Twitter, which a lot of people do, it's why they see it looks like kind of a dumbing down. But if, if there, there are other things out there, like there are still good articles being written and, and radio and podcasts and still like long form kind of conversations and debates. But yeah, just those forms. It's all about how quick and how how uh, how quick you can own the libs. Well, I think that means that we only have one thing left to do, and that is in this show before we lose the entire audience and then <laughs> come back again next week and try it all over again. I agree. Well, Tyler, it's been fun. Let's uh, let's let's keep the streak alive, and uh, hopefully, the next hurricane coming through won't uh, won't slow you down quite as much as Florence did. Yeah, that would be that'd be nice. A month taking a month off sounds awesome. Not so much. No, no, I bet not. Well, um, have a good week, my friend, and we'll uh, we'll do it again next week. All right, dude. See you.